Welcome to The Bear and the Ball. I am your host, Nick Webster, and today, delighted to have a special guest on the show. This is a man who is one of the top in USA college recruiting. He's got 20 years of experience coaching USL Pro, NCAA, NAIA, NJCAA, US Olympic Development, a USSF A licensed coach, entrepreneur, and director of coaching. Quite the resume. Hello, well, hello, Donald. Nick. I'm talking to a celebrity. I have followed you, Nick, since your since your days on on television, and uh, I really have always appreciated your work. And yeah, and and now you've got a, a, a great task that you're taking on in Cal South. So it's a pleasure to to uh, to be on your podcast. I appreciate it. Well, thank you, Don. Yes, those those years at Fox, so much fun. Obviously, the birth of uh, Really, the birth of Pretty much. on TV. Uh, in, 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 the, in the noughties, right. we call it, the noughties, yeah. I always find it so hard to say the 2000s, <laughs> and people say the noughties, and yeah, it, it just gets, gets me all flummoxed. But uh, anyway, let's, let's, talk, let's talk about you. And I want to talk about you know, one of the things that you're heavily involved in. And this could go sideways, so I, I'm going to apologize up front. And... I'm involved in it right now because I have a 16 and a half year old son who's pretty good at this game that we, we know and love, the beautiful game. And the college arms race is beginning and my phone is beginning to light up and my email box is beginning to be spammed. And everybody is saying, I've got the system. I know how to get your son into an A-list college on a full ride scholarship. And I know from having been in the business, the soccer business of coaching and getting kids to that next level, that it's really, really difficult. But some of these people make it sound very, very easy. How does a parent, how does a parent discern from the people who know what they're talking about and are real and the other companies that may be over-exaggerating their ability to get your child to the next level first warning sign is the promises the the, the, the promises any promises see you've got to remember that whoever's helping your kid isn't in charge the coaches are still in charge so for somebody to promise what another human being will do is insane right we are not in control of that other human being in this case the coaches and the coaching staff and the coaching staff, shockingly, isn't even in control of a lot of the factors, such as injuries and players quitting or a shock player becoming an All-American that they didn't expect. You know, it, when the player came in, now the kid's doing well. They thought they needed a player two years you know, in advance, but now that kid stepped up. They're not in control of any of that. So the coaches are sometimes last-minuting it so to speak, as much as the players are last minute it. So for any organization to come in and make promises is insane. Um, th that's my first advice to parents and players is be care of, be careful of something that sounds too good to be true, right? Um, not how we operate. We're a bunch of former college coaches, Nick. So we're looking at it from the other side. We're looking at it from the coach's side knowing that for our clients, the coaches are the end consumer. It's what they think that matters. And if we lose any of the respect at all from the college coaches, we don't have a business. 
So I think finding people who understand at least what, how coaches think and how they operate and somebody who's been at least spending some time in some way from, from the backroom side, seeing what's going on in a coach's office and going on is going to be helpful to a kid, not necessarily us. There's other people, but I'm just saying that somebody who understands that is important. And then somebody who's seen it at multiple levels is also important. I always say with their staff, it's, it's just important that they know what it looks like. If you know what I mean, they need to have to know the difference between, um, oh, you're in Cal South, so I can just name schools. There's a difference between Cal State Northridge and Indiana, but they're both Division One. Okay, mm-hmm. so when people tell a kid your kid's right. a Division One player, well, I don't know, maybe they're right. If I look at the rankings and I see who's ranked uh, 286th. They're still Division One. The team ranked number one is still Division One. So how do we so, go about? Yeah, how, how do we go about then educating parents in the right way, without being and 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 this is a classic, without being the dream burster. Because we know that, and and you, and you just brought up a great point. I mean, really about about being a D one athlete, which. Is, is, is a goal for many players who want to play at the collegiate level. Yes, I want to be a D1 athlete. And I'm not even sure that players even know the difference, the right. differences that there are throughout the country when it becomes to being right. a D1 player. So how do we go about this education process of, of letting players know that there is a difference, letting parents know that there, are, there is a difference without being, as I just said, the dream burster. Yeah. So look, there's this, there's this, uh, I posted something yesterday on Twitter that, and then the gist of it is that there's a, there's a massive difference between being positive and being delusional. We want to be positive with our children. We want to encourage our children to chase dreams. And look, as a parent, I let my child chase the dream as long as it made sense. He went to he went to England for two weeks on a vacation, uh, on a on a, a graduation vacation to train with a team, and he did so well that they asked him to stay for two years. And then he got invited to a trial in the Bundesliga with FC Cologne, and he went and did that, and then uh, had a nice college career for four years. And I encouraged him for all of that, but there also comes a point where I had to say. I am not paying for your dream any longer because it's not happening. And now you can continue to chase that dream all you want and I'll pat you on the back and you're always welcome to come home. I'm not saying I'm abandoning you, but I'm saying that I'm not financially going to fund this any longer. Right. And so I think every parent, look, let your kids chase their dreams all they want. And if you can afford it as a parent and you want to chase them and you want to help your kid chase the dreams and chase all your dreams. I'm not, I don't burst bubbles. What I will tell kids is if they tell me my dream school is, I don't know, let's say Stanford. And if they say my dream school is Stanford and, uh, and I, and I say that Stanford probably isn't the best choice for you. I don't think you'll ever play at Stanford. And the parent tells me I'm wrong. Then I say, well, then go to the Stanford camp and pay the money to go to Stanford camp. Because if you are something that they've never seen before or that they don't have, they will take you. 
But if you're just average, like everything that they see and like just like the kid they can find down the road, they won't take you. So at the end of the day, the marketplace will end up determining where your kid belongs. Unless you push. Mm. Look, Nick, we can all <laughs> kick down doors. We can find ways to kick in doors, yeah. but don't be disappointed. Don't, 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 don't be so delusional to understand that on the other side of that door might be a monster that you don't want to face and that you're not prepared mm. to see. But remember, you kicked the door down. So in other words, I do have players that are going to some of the biggest schools in the country. And we've told them it's probably not the best place for you. And then the coach says, I'll give you an opportunity. Then the kid goes. The kid doesn't play for two years. And the kid says, I want to transfer. And I said, we tried to tell you, but you wouldn't listen. Every coach needs a number 30 on their roster because everybody needs to play 11 v. 11 during the season consistently to, to work things out and to work out situational stuff. However, no coach needs help finding that number 30 on the roster. In other words, the player that's never really going to help me. And then the kids go, yeah, but I'll earn it, right? I'll earn my way up. I understand I got to start at the bottom and I earn my way up. And almost every kid I ever talked to says that until they actually have to start at the bottom and earn their way up. And then they see, Nick, how high the mountain is, right? They're climbing Everest. They took a three-day climb to make it to base camp. And then they said, holy crap. That was just base camp. This mountain is really high, and I've got another yeah. <laughs> week of climbing to get to the top. I don't think I'm cut for this. This is too much. The mountain's too high. That's happening to kids all over the country, which is why the transfer portal is at four and 5,000 kids a year. Yeah. I mean, but the, the trans, I mean, I think the transfer portal has been a game changer for athletes, though. So I'm, I'm all for the transfer portal. I want to ask you a question about ID camps because I get asked this all the time. Should I send my child to an ID camp? Because um, you know they're expensive, uh, they're time-consuming. Um, I've worked ID camps uh, in my role at as a coach of UCSB, and I'm really kind of torn. Now I'll tell you why I'm torn. Uh, number one, they're great. You know. They're great money earners for college, and, and sometimes soccer programs, you know, they do need that extra finances. They're good money earners for, for, for the coaches, uh, and, and it's a way of, of paying um, assistants and volunteers a little bit more. But my feeling is this, Don, that as, as a coach, you've really already discovered who your players are, and what they are really is, is money earners for the college programs and colleges. What are your thoughts on players getting discovered at ID camps? Yeah, yeah. look, ID camps absolutely have their place. Now, there's multiple types of ID camps, and that's where parents have to be careful. So there's the mass, like, exact type camps where you've got, you know, the fourth assistant, and the, the 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 assistant coaches, and the coaches who make forty eight grand a year who need to make 
you know, more than that to feed their families. So they work these camps and they get paid 750. The bigger schools will get 2,500, 3,000 for showing up for two days to work these camps. And for the most part, the quality is quite low. I mean, that's the main problem with ID camps, right? They're not invite only. And if a college coach is getting paid to work that camp, it cannot be invite only, which means that literally a person who's never played soccer before in their life could register for the camp, could show up, and could participate. Well, that hurts the quality of the camp, doesn't it? If you've got kids who aren't very good. And so even if a player stands out, the coach says, yeah, it's great, but the quality here is quite awful. What will this player look like under real pressure from real players who know how to play? So what does the coach do is they invite that player to their own camp. Because they need to see them again in an environment where they can test them out better. And at their own camps, they can pay their players to be staff. And then staff can play against players. So there's ways around the rules of a tryout. But they can test the kids better out in their own controlled environment. So my answer is, well, why didn't you just go to that controlled environment in the first place? And we could have just skipped this third-party camp where it's everybody's showing up and the players aren't very good. So that's my first advice to people is to go to the schools that you're truly interested in. And my second bit of advice is don't do that, though, until you've at least know that the coach has reviewed your film and said, yeah, worth another look. This player's not bad. Pretty good. And you'll know if the player coach is interested in you because they will want to talk to you on the phone. If a coach says, thanks for your film, come to our camp, Well, that's not real interest. That is probably just trying to get money from you. But if the coach says, let's have a conversation. Okay, I really like you. Now come to our camp. That's different. So I've got a girl that just committed to UC Colorado at Colorado Springs. She said, that's my school. This is where I want to be. I visited. I love the town. I love the school. I love everything about it. So I reached out and sent the film to the goalkeeper coach. Goalkeeper coach sent it to the head coach. Head coach then said, we'd like to get this player in at camp. Well, bottom line is, is that's where the player is going to school this next fall. So one experience, one camp, one visit, and it all worked out. Players can do it that way. I mean, it can work out that well. But there's groundwork that has to be laid before you just go spending money. Because I've seen other kids, Nick, that have spent $12,000 flying around the country, going from camp to camp to camp to camp, and still don't have a single offer. And usually, Nick, it's because they're chasing the wrong schools, right? You can go to the Stanford camp and the Berkeley camp and the North Carolina Mm -hmm. camp and the Indiana camp, and you can go to all the big camps. But the fact is, if you... If Berkeley doesn't want you and Stanford doesn't want you and North Carolina doesn't want you, then Notre Dame's probably not going to want you either. And Texas probably isn't going to want you. In other words, those national level schools that most kids have on their list are not competing necessarily against their conference. Was the ACC women's soccer had nine teams get into the tournament? So they aren't really competing against the ACC, they're competing against the country. So, you know, Duke is competing against Stanford, not just against Boston College in the ACC, for example. Does this this make sense? Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, You you mentioned the word uh, two or three times in in that last uh, discussion, film. 
Talk to me about the importance of film and what kind of film do parents and you know, prospective players need to put together? Because I've, I've seen, uh, I'm, I'm going to go, you know, like you, thousands of videos of young kids uh, with their, their, their highlights um, and some of them, no, 90% of them they're are horrible. painful. No, they're absolutely <laughs> and, horrific. And yes. they're, hor- they're horrible. So, so talk, 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 to, talk to our listeners about the kind of films, the kind of highlight packages they need to put together. How long should they be? What should they look like? Should there be music? Should there be graphics? What, what, what really turns a coach on when they go, wow, this player looks great and the, 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 the package was put together really No, that's a, that's a really good question. So the first way that I think parents should look at film uh, is like a filmmaker looks at a trailer for their movie. If that trailer is a piece of garbage and it looks messed up and confusing, people won't spend their $12, $15 to go into, what is it, probably $21 in Southern California, to go to a movie. They won't spend their money on that ticket. If the trailer makes you go, oh, that's fascinating. Oh, they're in it? Oh, that's really good. Oh, look at that. I really want to see this movie. They will come. So your film has to be your version of what ESPN would put on. Unfortunately, most film is, ooh, a five-yard negative pass. Oh, a 10-yard square ball. Oh, look at that. They passed the ball to a player's feet. Oh, look at that. They received a ball. It's like, okay, wait a minute. But isn't that like every player down to seven years old should be passing five, 10-yard passes and receiving a ball? That's not a highlight, right? A highlight is how I impact the game. Look at the impact I made in this match at this moment. So it's a touch under pressure that most players would flub and you were able to keep. Your foot was like Velcro, right? Your pass hit a target Mm -hmm. that a distance onto the correct foot with the correct uh, texture that that situation called for that opened up the game and allowed that player to score. Or you're obviously scoring goals. You know, if you're a striker, strikers are the easiest, I always say. By far the easiest. If you're scoring (laughs) a lot of variety of goals in a lot of situations – it's a highlight film of just goals. And honestly, everybody goes, well, you need to show the defending and the working hard. Yes, but if you score me 39 goals in a season, I will forgive some of the defending laziness at moments. People go, oh, Messi doesn't defend. It's so like, you bring up a great fine. point, Don. So, Don, let me stop you because you bring up a great point. Okay, so strikers is easy. easy. Goalkeepers The hard is ones easy. are the center mids. Just Those are the hard what, ones, what, right? Center, yeah, yeah. center mids and defenders. How do you put a highlight tape together of those Yeah, so, so what I say is, you know, you pick your specific position is the first thing, right? So um, the things that are most glaring in your position. For example, if I'm a center back, there's going to be a lot of balls coming in in the air from wide positions and from central positions. I better be good at heading the ball. So if I'm looking at a center back and there's no heading in the film, that's a warning sign to me. If there's no bone, I call them bone crushing tackles, and I don't mean breaking, but 
I, I, hopefully our, 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 you know, hopefully our listeners know what I'm talking about when I say hard, hard man tackles mm-hmm. that send messages at moments in the game that this isn't acceptable. You're not coming through this area with the ball. Uh, there's an old joke that says either the ball goes past or the player goes past, never both. So that hard man mentality is, is, is essential to higher level football anywhere in the world that you're able to physically stand up to challenges. So showing that would be more crucial for a center back, for example, than it might be for a winger or for a striker because there's more urgency in that center of the field as we get closer to the goals. So your sixes and your and your center backs, right? And your and then the sevens and elevens need to be able to show what they do, the wingers, right? So ability to beat players one v one and to beat players to stop players one v one because there's a lot of isolation in the wide situations and a lot of it is one defending defending with very little cover. So the ability to 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 show that for strikers. So um, passes of distance, right? Uh, it's great that we all want to play short out of the back, but the whole point to playing short, Nick, is to draw the defenders in towards you to create space behind so that you can exploit that space. So if you can't hit that 40, 50, 60-yard ball with both feet to with the correct texture to the right foot, then that's going to be a struggle for you as a center back or as a six or as an eight, right? Um, so... My advice is to take the movements required from your position and then boil that down into a three to five minute uh, film, okay? Uh, And five minutes might be a little long, but look, honestly, Nick, I've seen seven minute films that felt like one minute and I've seen one minute films that felt like 20 minutes, okay? (laughs) So if you're exciting me, I love football. I love watching good football. So if you're exciting me, I like to watch it. So you first need to open up the first 30 seconds with something that they don't see every day. Something that doesn't happen all the time. Something good and spectacular. So if I'm a center back, maybe it's a maybe it's a diving header in the box to clear a ball 30 yards off the line. You know, that power diving header that you see. Diving through a crowd, putting yourself mm-hmm. in danger. Maybe it's diving and blocking a shot that maybe the goalkeeper wouldn't have covered, right? And you put your body on the line. But it's something that makes you go, holy crud, I need to see another 30 seconds of it. And I always tell kids, if you can get me for Mm -hmm. the first 30 seconds, Nick, you got me for a minute. If you got me for a minute, you probably got me for two minutes. And if you got me for two, you definitely have me for five. If you have me for that whole five minutes, I will sit down and watch a full match. So, players, when you send oh, wow. your highlights and it's fire, you've got to make sure you send them a full link, too. So, they'll skim through that link and they'll look through it and they'll have their assistants look at the full match a little bit. Then they will decide, what's the next step with this player? How do we see them in person? So, that's when they'll either come to your events or invite you to them. So, for example, one of my buddies, Joe Flanagan, who works with us, he's in Southern California. He coached at Dominguez Hills, won a couple national titles. His son, by the way, is absolute fire. His son's really good. Uh, he's going to Notre Dame. Notre Dame's not going to come to you. Mm-hmm. You got to go to them. Does that make sense? It's a long way on the other side of the country. Yeah. Uh, so, he... he 
They saw him at an event. They brought him into a camp. They tested him well. Now he's going to Notre Dame. So it depends on your proximity. If the if you live in Southern California and Cal State Fullerton is recruiting you, George is recruiting you there, he can see you locally. That's fine. But George had a kid that I turned him on to not that long ago. I think it was from Virginia and ended up taking him. That kid had to come to George. Does that make sense? So if Mohammed won't mm-hmm. come to the mountain, then yeah. the, or if the mountain won't come to Mohammed, then Mohammed has to go to the mountain. That, that's the way it is. Got it. Um, where do you see the, the college game going? Because there's, there's a lot of, you know, I mean, obviously hear, hear the rumors that, you know, we're, we're looking at maybe elongating the season. Um, you know, the, the college game used to be a fertile breeding ground to enter drafts and be looked at by professional teams. That, that no longer seems to be the case. Um, it, it's, is the college game still a stepping stone to the pro game? Or are we looking at it more as now just an extension of your playing career and after college? That's that's probably that's probably it. Well, let's face it, Nick. It's always been the ultimate stopping point for ninety nine point three percent of all college players throughout the history of college, including football, including baseball, including basketball. That's not changed. Nothing's changed. This was never Mm -hmm. designed as a path to pros. We turned it into that, but it was never designed. It was designed for kids to get their education and then kids that were into sports. It's their outlet. If you've ever played sports, you know it's your outlet. It's your peacetime. It's your... It's your, it's your, it's your letting off steam time. It's your, I can forget about all my cares and troubles and go have fun with my friends time. And I think we've somehow bastardized that and we've changed what it means to go to college and get an education and to be able to continue uh, to play the sport you love. Bruce Murray, a guy I work with really closely, and you know Bruce is in the, in the U.S. Hall of Fame, and he was, uh, he was player of the year in college. Uh, he was one of the best strikers we had had. He held the record at one time before Ronaldo came on. But uh, Bruce said, I always looked at... Uh, and we did a podcast with him. You guys can hear it on our Inside Soccer podcast. But he said, look, I always looked at each step as can I continue to play the game that I love? So when I got to high school, there were cuts. I made it. When I got to college, there were cuts. I made it. I got to continue my career. I got to continue playing the game I love. It was never an extrinsic motivation thing. He wasn't playing for scholarships. He wasn't playing to go to college. He went to college so he could continue playing soccer. He didn't you know, it wasn't the other way around. I mean, that's why, that's what motivated him. So there's a lot of different types of kids, Nick, and that's the issue. We've got kids that are going to college so that they could continue to play soccer. I'll raise my hand. My son will probably raise his hand. And there's a lot of kids doing that. They understand they need a plan B. But the goal is to play soccer as long as they can. Then we've got kids who want to send rockets into space. So one of my kids, I looks like it's going to end up at MIT. He's, he understands 
that aerospace engineering is what he wants to do, and that's his passion. But look, he still loves soccer. And while he's there, he really does want to continue to play. But it's different mindset and mentality than my son and I had, who were getting our education because of soccer, because we wanted to continue the game, as opposed to as opposed to this lad that I was talking about who's going to be at MIT. So you have to know your own kid's motivation, parents, right? And your kid's motivation may not be your motivation as a parent, right? Just because you love the game doesn't mean your kid has to love the game in the same way that you love the game. But it doesn't mean that they don't want to play either. They're just saying, I'm not motivated like you're motivated, mom or dad. And what I need for my life and the right fit for me is different than my teammate and what they need and what's the right fit for them. So we always say comparison is the thief of joy. Parents and players comparing themselves to other players are going to ruin their love for the game. What an excellent way to wrap it up. Thank you so much. So insightful, uh, listeners out there. If you want to know more, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, I'm all over Twitter. So I'm at Don underscore K underscore Williams. Same on Insta. Um, And then all over Facebook. uh, We have uh, Sports Recruiting USA. Is how you get a hold of us at the company. Um, We are soccer only people. Uh, started out of England, but uh, now the Americas is my responsibility from Canada to Argentina. So uh, we handle kids from all over the world. If anybody has questions, please don't hesitate to reach out. Super easy on Twitter. My DMs are always open. Yeah. Thanks for having us on, Nick. Appreciate it. John Williams, Sports Recruiting USA Head of Operations. This has been The Bear and the Ball. I'm your host, Nick Webster. And as always, for everything Cal South, go to calsouth.com. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook. And uh, I'll see you on the field. Thanks for listening.